We pick up the story in Luke 15. Luke 15, verse 11 to 13, and now skip down verse 17 to 20. You're most likely going to be familiar with the story, whether you're new to faith, out of faith, the church, church, whatever. You're probably familiar with it, but I'm not going to read all of it. I do encourage you to go back and just to read it again another time. I believe God is just going to speak to you. So pick it up. It says, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. It was wild. Very wild. How wild do you think it was? Wilder. Skip down to verse 17. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a way off, some of us are still a way off. While he was still a way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son threw his arms around him and kissed him. I love that scripture. Can you tell how excited I am? I'm so excited. God is just gonna speak to us. I'm so excited. Whether you've heard the story before, I just know God's gonna speak something different, something unique to us all today. Let's pray, Father, thank you. Again, some of us are a long way off. But God, we're very close to your heart. God, I pray that you would speak to us now. Your word says that you see us and that you have compassion for us. God, I pray everyone underneath the sound of my voice, those tuned in online, I pray for Baltimore right now, God. I pray, God, that you would speak, Lord God. Those that are going to be watching this, Lord, later, Father God, months from now, Lord God, years from now, I pray, Father God, that you would speak to us. We're hungry. We're desperate, God, not for a show, but for you. Let this word, God, fall on good soil. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, I was um, driving the other day and saw uh, a drunk squirrel. What? Yes, I saw a drunk squirrel. It had to be drunk because it was in the middle of like a four-lane highway, and it looked like it was... You know, it was just trying to, like, where do I go? I, it was drunk. It was intoxicated. I don't know what its blood level was, but it had to have been drunk by the way it was looking, by the way it was moving, just frenzied. And so here I am just walking, I'm driving towards it. I see it, and it's like trying to figure out, I'm like, wait, where am I? Where am I going? And I'm getting closer to it. And I have to pause for a second because back in the day, I used to be afraid of squirrels. I used to be afraid of squirrels, especially in the street. I didn't want to hit them. There was actually a time where I saw a squirrel, and I saw it, and I'm like, oh, there's a squirrel. I don't know how old it is and stuff like that. It probably has a wife and kids. I, I shouldn't, you know, I shouldn't, I shouldn't hit the squirrel. So I would slam on my brake and then to let the squirrel run, away, run back to safety. And then just as I was doing that, a car behind me slammed right into me. But now I drive an SUV, everybody. Some of you know where this is going. 
I drive an SUV and I saw this squirrel. I don't know how old the squirrel was. Maybe it was a teenager. Maybe it just got its license to be out in the big, bad streets and stuff like that. But it was there and it saw me and by the look at its eyes, it locked eyes on me. And I locked eyes with it. And it knew what I knew, that I was a woman in an SUV. You know what that means? Power. <laughs> power. Someone said power. I'm not afraid of a squirrel. And it knew that. So that's why. Maybe it was drunk. Maybe it was just scared. But it was rushing back to safety. It knew that I had the power to run right over it because it was where it wasn't supposed to be. And I got to tell you, I didn't run over the squirrel, everybody. I ran right through it. <laughs> didn't even feel it. Did not feel it, and I don't feel bad about it either. It shouldn't have been there. The point is, <laughs> I promise I'm a very kind person. I think. <laughs> but at the squirrel, while it was in the middle of the street, it just knew it had gone to a dangerous place. And so it was in a frenzy, it was in a rush to go back to safety because it had wanted somewhere that it wasn't supposed to be. Which had me thinking, I wonder how many of us are in a place where we're not supposed to be. We've wandered and we're now positioned in a place where we can't thrive. There's so much life that God has for us, but where we are right now, we've just wandered. I've titled this message, How Did I Get Here? Not because I like the Deborah Cox song. Though I kind of have get here. No one in the song? Nobody's supposed to. I've tried and tried. My. <laughs> this is still a house of God, everybody. But I'm tired of this message, how did I get here? Because I think a lot of us need to ask that question. How did I get here? Which begs the question, where are you? Let me say something difficult. I think a lot of us are places where God never intended us to be. Again, which begs another question, so where does God intend us to be? It's simple, it's always with him. In him with proximity, but in faith, with our brothers and sisters in Christ, in his presence. Psalm 16:11 says, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Let's keep that scripture on there. That word, present, the Hebrew word for it, just meaning not just around necessarily, but talking about being face to face. When we are at face to face with God, like in his face right here, viewing him, seeing him, it says that there are going to be pleasures forevermore. That word pleasure is just speaking, Hebrew words, speaking of agreeable things, lovely things. So what the scripture is saying is that as we are face to face with God, in his face, like, why you open my face? Yes, while we are in his face, he wants us to be in his face. While we are there, that there are going to be lovely, agreeable things forevermore. That's where God wants us to be. That's where God wants us to be, always. But yet we drift. We drift, little by little, disappointment after disappointment. We just drift from this place. 
How did you get there? How did you get there? You know, I think sometimes it's, a subcon- it's, a, it's an intentional drift. It's like you heard God say, go A. And you said, ha, ha, ha. I'll go to Z instead. Sometimes it's deliberate. You heard what God said, kind of like Jonah, and you did the exact opposite. Many more times, Baltimore. It's a subconscious thing. We don't intend to. If I'm supposed to be going here, right? This is where God wants me to be. And I just go off my mark just a little bit. I'm still going forward, but here, I'm not heading this way. But this is where God wants me to be. It looks like I'm going the same way. But slowly but surely, we just drift away from where God wants us. Away from what God has us. No longer in his presence, in his face. No longer seeing agreeable things. And he didn't move, we did. God never moves. He never moves. But we do. Drifting from this place of just expectation. I love what Timmy said earlier. I know sometimes I've been there, come to church, just church as usual. Tune in online, eating your cereal. Church as usual. You're in the presence, we are in the presence of a mighty God. Of a holy God. He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. We are in his presence, and yet we just drift from it. Question like, when was the last time? When was the last time that you believed for something that was bigger than your efforts? Or bigger than your ability? Like you just believed really big. You can pull it up. This is what I'm believing God for. Like you prayed and prayed until you got that title deed, you know? That deep assurance that God is going to do it. And you started praying about it, started fasting about it, that you even got your friends involved with it, that you started declaring those words of faith. When was the last time? Not just a little thing. I'm not talking about something small. I'm talking about a big thing, exceeding and abundantly. When was the last time you stayed in his presence? There was no crisis at stake. Everything was good. It was fine. But when you come to Catalyst, you stay for Catalyst, and then you stay for the extra credit. <laughs> Where's Candace, our, our kids director? She's awesome. She calls it like the extra credit. You know how it ends and then it continues? Y'all know what I'm talking about. You stayed. Or maybe it wasn't Catalyst, but it was, it was at home. You just took time just to be with him. Baltimore, just to be with him, just lingering in his presence. No agenda. You just wanted to be with him. Singing songs to him. Listening to him. Being still in his presence. There was no, you weren't looking at your clock. You just... You used to be like that. Some of us, we used to be like that. But relegate that to, you know, young believers. You know what I'm saying? Been in the faith for so many years. When was the last time? When we heard a negative report, we still slept sweetly. You didn't lose sleep. You heard it, you saw the facts. You got the email, you heard what it said. It wasn't black and white and it wasn't English. But as soon as you heard it, you gave it right back to him. And what did he do? He gave you that peace that surpasses understanding. 
And you just knew in your nowhere that it was gonna be all right. We drift. We drift. We wander away from being face to face with him, from experiencing that pleasure forevermore. The Bible says in Matthew 7, 24, it says, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. You know, oftentimes people look at this scripture and they're, talk, they're thinking that it relates to, you know, when bad things happen, chaos happen. But wind and wind oftentimes is speaking about blessings. So hear me, when the blessings come, are you still planted? Are you still standing? It wasn't hardship that drove the prodigal son away, it was blessings. He received his inheritance. He received it and so he went to a distant land. Oftentimes it's not chaos that makes us drift. Because we know when chaos happens, you got your oil, all of a sudden you're stomping, speaking, listening to all these faith preachers, you're coming to church every single day. God can, uh-huh, I know my God. You know, like you know what to do, all of a sudden you just get Pentecostal and you were raised Baptist. Like you just, when stuff happens, you know, you know what to do. You know, you know, many of us know what to do. But what happens when you do get the bonus? What happens when you do get bay? What does it stand before any and everything? They become before any and everything, including your God. What happens when you get the little kiddos? Now all of a sudden you can't be in the house of God. Am I talking to anybody? We've been there. No one thinks that they're the prodigal son. There's some of you say, um, you're cute. But I've been here. Pastor, I've been here. I've been tuning in. Online. Every Sunday. Okay, most Sundays. I've been tithing. And I've been loving my King Jesus. I've been here. I haven't gone anywhere. That was actually pretty good. <laughs> I am not sure where that voice came from. There's some of us that believe we have not gone in a canoe and went eggs. Like we have not gone anywhere. We've been here. But little by little, our expectation has decreased. Little by little, we've just gotten so comfortable with disappointment. Little by little, we've just had things stolen from us and it's just been so natural that we just leave it, saying, I guess that's what it means to be in life. When I'm with Jesus, I'm gonna experience everything, but here it's on earth. No, no. It's here on earth as it is in heaven. Isn't it? Or did I make that up? I know I'm pretty creative, but. We've drifted, everybody. The Bible, one of my favorite scriptures, says in John 10.10, 10, it says that the thief comes only in order to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have, and say this word with me, that does that be miserable? Some of us think we have Jesus, and so that means, I guess this is what it means. 
to be with Jesus. I guess, you know, I got my Jesus. Oh, yes, I do. And I mean, this is what it means. But I am faithful. I can go without. Yes. He said to enjoy life. AKA to turn up. That's what my version says. To have fun. That's what it says it to enjoy life and have it in abundance. To the full. Till it overflows. That's what the scripture says, everybody. But listen, we do have a thief that will try to steal, kill, and destroy. He will try. He will absolutely try. He studies us. He knows our proclivities. He knows what open doors we have in our faith that we, have, that, that we can get tempted to, um, to, to go out of. He knows what that is. And so he'll put things in our lives. He'll put situations in our lives so we can wander away from this abundance. I got to tell you that in every conversation, in every season, in every year, we still have abundance, everybody. Christ died to give us life, a full life, a full life that we should enjoy it. If you're not enjoying life right now, I'm not saying it's going to be void of issues, but if you're not enjoying life right now, Baltimore, listen to me. I think it's because you've drifted. C.S. Lewis once said, indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one. I didn't say it. I said C.S. Lewis said it. He said the safest road to hell is the gradual one on the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. So oftentimes you're not going to hear, hey, squirrel, there's a woman in an SUV that's about to come for your life. You're not going to hear it until it's too late. You're not going to hear, hey, squirrel, you're rushing through your quiet time with the Lord. That thing that you're stressed out about, he wants to actually talk to you about it, but you're rushing through. You're not going to hear, hey, squirrel, you're praying too small. You've gotten so subtle with that diagnosis, and that's not your portion. You're not going to hear it unless that's what you're hearing now. And I pray that's what you're hearing now. Online, I pray that's what you're hearing now. Again, our tendency is to drift. We don't want to, but our tendency is to drift. And I want to give us today for the next five hours. <laughs> I can't even talk for that long. Actually, I think I could, but I'm not going to. But I just want to give us just three keys on what to do when we wander. The first thing is it's time to wake up. If you're taking notes because you love Jesus, um, you'll write this. It's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. Anybody a morning person? This is the 1015 service. <laughs> Roman, our two-year-old, is not a morning person. He takes somewhere between 30 minutes to three hours before he's fully awake. I call it like a slow defrost. When someone, <laughs> and low if anyone comes in the morning and they see him and he's just so grumpy and they're like, oh, aren't y'all the bastard? Like... What did, I'm like, wait, no, he's just slowly waking up. Like, he's up, but he's not really up, like, still sleeping. I know some of you that have teenage sons, or some of you, it's you. Like, you're up sometimes, but it's a slow defrost for you. Like, you're experiencing life, but barely, you know, in this daze a little bit. You talk to him, I'm like, Roman, Hawaiian, he'll literally say, too loud, mommy, too loud. He's two. 
You open up the blinds. Roman, good morning. Too bright, mommy. Too bright. I say, you little. Something nice. But he's up. Like, we literally just, like, let him alone. Conversely, his sister's like, hello, everybody. <laughs> Zoe, I don't know what. I think she sneaks and takes, like, my bang. And then she drinks. Anybody drink bang? Anyway, I think she sneaks and takes some and, and like, drinks them before we're all up. Because that could only be why she's so alert and oriented times three early in the morning. Like, she is extra. Roman is, give me some time. He's up but sleeping. I think some of us are up but sleeping. I think we are living life, but blind to the fact that we're not where God has for us. We're blind to the fact that we're not where God has for us. Again, what begs the question today, where are you? Where are you present, but absent from a life of extreme faith? And again, the enemy, he's so cunning, I hate him. He's so cunning. He, he's like siphoning blessings from us, and we don't even realize it. You know, like a really good thief, they're not going to take a million dollars or a thousand dollars from your account. Some of the really clever ones, they're going to just start taking just random, just where is this from? But you just let it go. $10 here, $30 here, just taking money from you, just taking, just little by little. And if you're not alert, you're going to have so many things stolen from you. Listen, some of us are awake, but with our eyes closed. We don't realize what our blessed inheritance is, and we've allowed the enemy for so long to just steal things from us because we don't even know what belongs to us. Joy belongs to you. Peace belongs to you. Peace of mind, it belongs to you and your family. Reconciliation, it belongs to you. Wealth, it belongs to you. Hear me now. Wisdom, progress, it belongs to you. But little by little, little by little, we just let him. We're not aware. Jesus, when he is about to go to the cross, he's in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he is really overwhelmed with this. Virgin says that he even sweated, you know, like blood. Like he is overwhelmed. He even prays to his father, Father, if you're willing, let this cup pass from me. He's in the Gethsemane, and he prays. He's praying. Rather, he calls his disciples, um, Peter, James, and John. He says, hey, pray. This is a lot for me. Pray. Stay watch. We pick it up in Matthew 26, 40. It says, then he returned to his disciples, found them sleeping. He said, couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? One hour? He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Jesus wasn't rebuking them because they were sleeping, getting their, getting their beauty rest. That's not what he was doing. He was saying sometimes in a certain situation for what's at stake, he's saying to pray, not just pray, but to watch and pray, to be aware of what the enemy is doing, to be aware of how cunning he is, of what he's siphoning from you, says watch and pray, watch and pray. God has so much for you. He really is a good God. Baltimore, he really is a good God. He really is a good God. He sees you. He has so much for you in his presence. Agreeable things, pleasures forevermore. And I think sometimes we know what God has for us, and then we see what's actually in our lives, and that gap 
it overwhelms us. You know? And some of us, we are aware of the lack and we're trying to fix it. We're really trying to fix it. Okay, this is what you say. This is what we have, so I'm going to try to fix it. Luke 15. I'll go back to the story of prodigal son. It says, after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. In this world, trials will come. Period. Well, that's encouraging. I'm just being honest with you. Trials will come. Trials will come. Famines will come. And a famine is something that you didn't cause. You may not even see it coming. It will happen. The question is, what are you going to do when it does? The son, hear me. He had the opportunity. He could have gone back to his father as soon as the severe famine came. I think he should have. I think he should have known what was at home. And he should have seen what he currently had. And I think he should have said, nope, I'm going to go here. But yet he tried to stay here where he was and he tried to fix the problem. Some of it are Mr. and Mrs. like fix it. We like to fix everything. Instead of giving it to God, instead of going back to God and saying, hey, you gave me this, and this is, and, and I know what's mine, but I'm experiencing this, instead of going here, we stay here, dig our heels in, and we say, I'm resourceful. You are, but God is your source. The son, he could have come right then as soon as he started experiencing adversity, but he stayed. He had a legitimate need and he was going to meet it. Some of you, you have legitimate needs. You're lonely. You're angry. You, you have financial issues. It's a legitimate need. Do you think God knows? One time I was driving, just, I think it was a bunch of crap that was happening. I'm not sure if you can say crap, but it was a lot of it. <laughs> and I'm like, this is crappy. But I was driving. I said, God, this is a lot. And I heard him say, do you know that I know? Baltimore, do you know that God knows? Do you know that God cares? And do you know that he's already done something about it? Like I heard him say, do you know that I know my God? I think you know. And he said, Zion, not just that. I just said, no, I care. And not only that, but I've done something about it. But yet we stay here trying to fix it. Spending so much energy, so much. We don't even have emotional energy to be here in this moment because of everything that we're trying to fix. You know you've drifted when you have to work for everything that you have. You know you've drifted online. You know you've drifted when you have to work for everything that you have. Like the son, he was hungry, and there was nowhere he was going to eat unless he worked. He wasn't with the father. He was disconnected. There was nothing supernatural added to him because he had gone away. Some of us, again, all the pressure that we're feeling right now, I dare say is that we've drifted just a little bit. Wow. It's not intentional. We've just drifted just a little bit. And now we're somehow in a pig pen. He was the Jewish son 
of a wealthy Jewish man with the pigs. That's bad. Jews, pigs, they don't mix. They don't like the swine, everybody. They don't like the swine. I do. I love me a good piece of bacon with honey, million dollar bacon. The point is, he was a Jewish son of a wealthy Jewish man with the pigs in a pig pen. It's kind of like being like the, the, the son of like um, Tomlin. Mike Tomlin, Steelers, working for the Ravens. They don't mix. You know what I'm saying? They don't mix. Just out of place, out of order. Somehow though, we just wander. We don't realize our deep inheritance. We are children of the most high God. And some of us are in positions right now, we're just begging. You know, we're begging for affection. We're begging for wealth. We're begging for attention. We have all that. Which pig pen do you absentmindedly run into? Is it pessimism? Some of you, your pig pen is paranoia. Oh my gosh. Like, what? Some of you, your pig pen is self-reliance. I can do everything because of who I am. No, it's because of Christ who strengthens you. Some of us, we just wander. Not intentionally, but we wander. Next is just feeling bad isn't good enough. Feeling bad isn't good enough. I'm one of those dreamy drivers. Not that I look good when I drive, because I actually look kind of scary. Especially in the carpool line. I was dropping the kids one day, and someone said, that's his eye, I saw you. And I'm like, you did? <laughs> I'm sorry for what I look like when I'm not on the platform. But I'm one of those dreamy drivers when I'm driving. I'm just dreaming. I'm thinking about a whole bunch of other stuff, a million browsers open, so many different thoughts open, just absentmindedly driving. In fact, we, were drive, um, we moved like several years ago, and I would get off work, and I would drive back to where we used to live. Anyone ever done that? And it's like, wait, what? All of a sudden you wake up like, where am I? But I, did, I used to do that several times, not paying attention to where I was going, just absentmindedly driving there. I used to live there, so I would go there. Some of us, we used to live in sin, so it was so easy for us to get there. But it's no longer you who lives, but Christ who lives inside of you. You are a new creation. You have new habits, but yet somehow we just... And we're here again in paranoia. And we're here again in lack. That's not where you live anymore. Christ died and you accepted him so that you can have this full life. You don't want, you no longer live there anymore. The truth is whatever we do outside the will of God will get us back to a pig pen. When we start to parent outside of the will of God, outside of his principles, we're gonna end up back in a pig pen. When we start to date, do relationships, marriage even outside of, what God says, we're going to end up back in the pig pen. We are going to end back in the pig pen. And the thing is, as long as the longer we stay there, the longer we live there, the more we feel like it's hard to get back to the house, to get back to the Father. That's simply not true. It is simply not true. God is always looking, always wanting us to be close to Him. Feeling bad is not the goal. If some of you are feeling bad, that's not the goal. Don't just feel bad for where you are and where you've wandered. Do something about it. 
And it can, be the, it can be right now in this moment. It can be wherever you're driving. Maybe you just drove over a squirrel and you feel bad about it. Okay, say, God, I need you. God, I've wandered in right now. And I'm doubting everything. Wherever you are, don't just feel bad, but make that U-turn and go back to your father. Be back in his face. And it just starts with a simple thing like, I, I want you, Lord, help me. You know, you know he hears us. Have you ever been in the playground and you heard your child scream or yell? There are so many kids, but as soon as you heard him or you heard her, you turned instantly. You know what your child sounds like. Church, you have to hear me. God knows what your voice sounds like. He knows what even a whisper sounds like. So even when you say, God, I need you, guess what happens? He said, I'm here with all of my joy. It doesn't take something deep to say, oh my gosh, Eli, Eli. it's not that deep. It's just something simple. Baltimore, listen, online, listen. It's just, God, I'm, I'm here. I don't think I'm where you want me to be. Help me. The son, it says that when he came, he came to his senses and he said, wait, hold up. Like, I'm not, mm, 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 mm. Uh, I kind of like the finer things in life, so I think I'm going to go back to dad. But he humbled himself so much. He didn't even want to go back as a son. He said, I'm going to go back as a hired servant, feeling, knowing that he had shamed his dad so much by asking for his inheritance and going to the distant land. He wanted to be a hired servant so he can pay his dad back for everything that he took. Some of us, when we make that decision to go back, we feel so bad. Some of you haven't made a decision yet to go back to Christ because you feel like you can't pay him back. Some of us that are Christians, we still feel like we can't pay God back. You can't. Salvation is free. It's by grace, not works. Listen, you can't. And you're trying to do everything spiritual. You're trying to do all these different things. You can't. You, you can't. So the son, he makes his U-turn, goes back to the dad, right? Ooh, my favorite. The Bible says that as he was so far away off, that the dad saw him, had compassion for him, and he said he ran towards him. You got to know wherever you are that God is running towards you. He is running towards you. All you have to do is just take that step and you gotta know that our God is so good that he's running towards you. The enemy tries to put so much condemnation and it's a lie. Hear me, it is a lie. You could have had that abortion. You could have cheated on your husband. You could have cheated on your wife. You could have, you could have done so many different, you could have cheated on your taxes. Whatever you did, God can forgive you. Yeah. Psalm 51, or 16 to 17, it says, You do not delight in sacrifice, so I would bring it. You do not take pleasures in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O oh God, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. God, you will not despise. This is a heart of humility. The son, he had it. It says that he came to his senses, and it says that his father... He came rushing towards him, not just walking towards him, but rushing. Jesus said that the dad ran towards him. And I can only imagine like what he thought in his head. How am I, okay, how am I, what am I going to say? Like what am I going to do? 
What? He's like rehearsing all this. Dad hears him, doesn't really respond, and says, bring the sandal. Bring the robe. Let's have ourselves a party. Let's kill the fatted calf. All of that stuff was unnecessary. He could just say, I forgive you. Cool. You do, you do what you do. He did not. Again, he ran towards him. Jesus was specific to say this. He ran towards him. Men in that time, they did not run. Fathers, they didn't run. It was undignified to, it was undignified to do that. But Jesus did to show us that he's not like other fathers. He is not like your earthly father who abandoned you. He's not like the father who abused you. No, he is a good father who runs towards you. Relationship with him is not like religion with the world. He is running towards you. He's just waiting for you to take that step of faith. Everyone just take that step of faith and he comes rushing in. There's a parable. This is a lost sheep. It says that when one wanders away, that the shepherd goes and he grabs him and puts him on his back and brings him back to the flock. You have to know, like the son, the father, he saw him. He saw his son from afar away. That means he was looking for him. He had to have been there to see him. Why do we think that God doesn't see us? But he was distant. He saw him, ran towards him, gave him all these different things, gave him his dignity back. Threw a party for him. The thing is, some of us, we want all of that, like all of the things that the Father has to offer, all that comes with restoration without changing our ways. You want the party. Turn up, turn up, turn up, turn up. Like, you want that. You want the rings. You want it all, but you don't want to change your ways. That's out of order. What do we hear? Someone passed me and said, God won't bless your mess. I'm like, oh. This is back then. But it's true. Don't just feel bad for where you are. Do something about it. Third thing is unpack your bags. Unpack your bags. I'm one of those, um, my husband and I, when we travel, we go to hotels. We pretty much live outside of our hotel, outside of our suitcase. Like, some of, did some of you, do you open everything and put all the drawers, like put everything in the drawers? A lot of us don't. I try to do it one time. I'm like, this is just too much. <laughs> like, it's taking up so much time. But you don't unpack your bags, really, because you're not planning to stay long. Beware of those that come for Thanksgiving and they have unpacked all their stuff, their drawers and everything. Like, no, beware. They're planning something. They're planning on staying in your house a lot longer than you expect. But we don't unpack our bags oftentimes when we travel because we're not planning on staying there. The younger son, he packed his bags and he left. I believe the older son who was in the house was in the house, but his heart was packed up. There's the unrighteousness that the older son, that the younger son, that he displayed by leaving and going, living this riotous life. But there's also self-righteousness that the older son that displayed by staying in the house. You can tell, because when he heard the party and stuff, he didn't come rushing in. He didn't. He stayed outside and waited for the father to come in. You have to understand that the father is always pursuing you. In the house, out of the house, it doesn't matter. He's pursuing you said the father came out and spoke to him. 
And he got bitter, got mad, judging this son of yours, did this, this, and this, and you killed a fatted calf? It wasn't just a fatted calf, it was the fatted calf. You know people in Ohio State say, the Ohio State? This bothers me, it's Ohio State. No, it's the Ohio State, whatever. But this is the fatted calf. This is the calf that they fed over and over and over. This is a plump calf, like a, a real thicky, thick, thick calf. Like this is, this, whatever that imagery was. But this cow, they, they, they plumped it up so that when something special, something major happened, they can kill it and then they'll call the whole village to come and celebrate. It was probably one of the most expensive things that they had. But he did that for the son? What? Mind you, God's grace doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> Especially to self-righteous people. And I've been there. You know how you try to tell the Lord? Well, I've done this. And actually, God, I deserve him. I've been serving outside and it was raining. I did that. I did that. I've been trusting you. And they get that? Really? I'm not partying. Self-righteousness. And a lot of us, we have that older brother mentality. We're in church, but out of faith. We pray, but we doubt. We're in connectors, but we're silent, very distant. We give, but not expectantly. We were born with this older, mind, older brother mindset. And that's why our brain needs to be renewed. This older brother mindset says to scarcity. It's, it's, one of, it's one of lack. It's one of jealousy. It's not how God intended us to be. And so our mind just needs to be renewed. We need to know what our actual inheritance is, what's actually ours. Luke 12, 29 to 32 says this. It says, and do not set your heart. You like what I did there? Set, reset. All right, no one's clever. Let's move on. Do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. For the pagan world runs after all these things. And your father knows that you need them. He knows that you have legitimate needs. Verse 31, it says, but seek his kingdom. And these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased, pleased to give you the kingdom. He's pleased to give us things. You know, I think many of us aren't jealous of others, really, but we're just simply living beneath what God already provided. You're not mad that the party is happening or that the fatted calf has been killed. You just don't know what's actually yours. We don't know what's actually ours, and we drift again back to the scarcity mindset. We don't know what's actually ours. But Jesus, when he was on the cross, he said three things last. Do y'all remember what that was? What someone said? I'm sorry, I can't really hear. What'd you say? Oh gosh, for those that cheated, now I'm so okay. What did he say? I'm sorry, what? Baltimore, what does he say? He said it is finished. That means it's done. It's done. He already made a way to everything. This life more abundantly, it's already ours. The Father said, all that I have is yours. 
Church, we have to know that all that, all, all, not some, all that I have is yours. All that I have is yours. All that I have is yours. We have access to all. No one really hears me. We have access to all. We have access to all. It's his kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven. All that he has is ours. He's already given us everything that we need for life and for godliness. He's already given us authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, sometimes squirrels, and nothing by no means shall harm us. He's already given us the ability to pray for the sick and watch them recover. He's already given us the ability to build wealth somebody. He's already given us every spiritual blessing. All that he has is ours. All that he has is ours. If we are older brothers, and hear me, we're older brothers, that means we were born again first. You caught that. Many of us, there's some of you I know in the room, some of you that are tuned in online that you don't have any relationship. I'm gonna talk to you in a minute, but for right now, talking to the older brothers in the room. If you're an older brother, you were born again first, right? All that Christ has is yours. You hear me? Oftentimes in the culture, the older brother, he would, the oldest brother, he would get um, more of an inheritance than the younger one. And it's not necessarily out of favor, but it's more so out of responsibility. In this story, there were two sons. The older brother, he got two-thirds. The younger son that went out, he had one-third. You hear me? So the brother, older brother, he had a lot, yet he still had the scarcity mindset. The oldest, the oldest brother, they were given more, not out of favor necessarily, but out of responsibility to care for the children, the younger brothers in the father's absence. As oldest siblings, we have a responsibility. It's to care for those younger, those that are lost. I believe the, the oldest brother, he shouldn't have gotten mad and bitter about the fatted calf. I think he should have offered it. I think he should have known how his father's heart was so burdened that the younger son was gone. He would have seen the father standing out there looking to see, is this the day? Is this the day that Joe's going to come back? Is this the day that Susie's going to come back? Is this the, I, I, I believe he should, he would have known that. And I believe he should have partnered with his dad in that. In the house without the heart? He should have killed the fatted calf. He should have, he should have turned it up. Gotten jiggy with it. Nah, 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 I'm just, okay. That's a classic, I don't care what anybody says. He should have known the heart of the father and she'd have, he should have been about it. Here's the thing. We have the impact offering that's coming up in a few weeks. We now have this opportunity to partner with the father and not out of a heart of lack, all that he has is ours. We now have the opportunity to give something sacrificial. It could be the fatted calf that the Lord is asking you for. I don't know, I'm not him. Whatever it is, partner with him. His heart is grieved by his children that are lost. And some of you, you've forgotten what it felt like to be lost. I haven't. I will not cry. My lashes are good. 
Shout out to Travi, wherever she is. She did my eyelashes. Listen, I've never gone over Jesus saving me. When you are really bad, when you are really bad, and God shows you unmerited favor and grace, it stays with you. When he kills a fatted calf for you, you know what it feels like. You know what it feels like. Some of you have forgotten. Church, hear me, don't forget. Know that there is someone else, a whole lot of people that feel like they have gone too far. You, you're not. Stand at a distance, but take a step forward and watch the God who loves you while you are still yet sinners. Christ died on the cross for you. Watch him come. Don't you want to be a part of that? Don't you want to be a part of that? Yeah. You're an older brother. Unpack your bags. Act like a son. You're an older brother. Ask like a son. You're settling beneath your needs. Ask like a son. You're an older brother. Give like a son. Give like it. And for you that are still staring away, you feel like you're the younger brother. God's not done with you yet. He is inviting you right now to be in a relationship with him. Matter of fact, let's all bow our heads, please. Father, thank you for seeing us, knowing us, loving us, God. I pray for everyone underneath the sound of my voice, God. I pray that they would hear your truth. Not my words, God, your truth. But even now, God, I pray that your love, Lord God, will wrap, will wrap around their hearts, God. That it will squeeze every insecurity, God, every disappointment out, Lord. That it will kick every trace of fear out. God, for many of us that have drifted, God, we say today that we want to come back. Again, with heads bowed and eyes closed, can you ask this question? Say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Allow him to speak to you. For some of you, he is confirming that you have drifted. He's saying he's not mad. He's saying come closer. For some of you, you feel like the younger son. Maybe you grew up in church. Maybe this first time back in a long time. But if you were to be honest, you feel so far so disconnected from him and right now he's calling you he says come to me all you who are weary and heavy laden if that's you that feel disconnected whether in Baltimore whether online whether you're driving your car right now and you just you just hit a squirrel wherever you are if you can just say this prayer for me say Jesus out of encouragement everyone let's say this together say Jesus thank you for seeing me. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. I ask now that you come into my life. Lead me and I will follow you. Thank you for what's next. Turn up. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we rejoice? Thanks again for tuning in to this week's message. If you want to learn more about our church, check us out at www.yourdestiny.church. Meet our leadership team, find a way to connect with our church, and partner with us through giving. You can also connect with us on social media by visiting our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. Tune in next week for another message from our pastor, Stephen Chandler.